Hello and welcome to the Happiness in Movement podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about all things life and mental health and some of the challenges that we face along the way. I hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to head over to my Instagram at Happiness in Movement to keep up with all of my latest content. Welcome back to another episode of the Happiness in Movement podcast. This week we're joined by special guest Luke Shembury from Genuine Physio. So Luke, if you want to just give a bit of an introduction as to who you are and what you do. Yeah, so, uh, so my name is Luke. Um, I have just founded, I suppose you would say, a Genuine Physio uh, Instagram page, but that's really come off the back of setting up a YouTube channel basically for mm-hmm. just sort of physio education and advice for for people online really given that yeah. uh, MSK physio is um, slightly more difficult to access in mm-hmm. uh, in recent times yeah. um, but people are not stopping getting injured so uh, mm. so, uh, so yeah, yeah it's just a, it's just an educational page with sort of sort of five to fifteen minute videos on different yep. topics I mean sort of focus so far has been on sort of neck pain back pain mm. um, and a little bit of sort of persistent pain education. Um, yeah. But yeah, hopefully moving on to some varying topics throughout the year. Mm. Yeah, no, I've, I've really enjoyed your page so far. Obviously, I, I came across you not long ago, to be fair, and it's been growing quite a bit since then. And it's looking really polished and professional. And you, you can tell there's a lot of work going into like the production side of things as well, which I really like. But yeah, the, the neck pain, back pain stuff, obviously there probably becoming even more common if anything with people working from home so I think starting with topics like that it's really 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 applicable and really useful so I'm sure a yeah. lot of people will be, be finding that stuff beneficial at the moment which is good um so in, in in terms of what genuine physio means then what was what was the kind of idea behind going with with that name and that that sort of branding what what does that mean so I think one of the main kind of stimulus for, for trying to sort of put something together like mm. like the, what I'm doing at the moment was it just seems that where you look online and on YouTube, I didn't, I didn't really think there'd be too much of a, a place for it. So I assume that yeah. lots of people would be doing a very similar thing. Yeah. Um, but I suppose my plan this time last year, actually literally this time last year, I was mm. on a plane to South Africa. <laughs> um, I was supposed to be landing this afternoon. So, <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> So yeah, the plan the plan was uh, was a, a year or so travelling and then coming back to do all the adult stuff. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so I came back a couple of months later, obviously because of COVID. Yeah. And yeah, it just gave me the opportunity to do well, gave everybody the opportunity to have more time on their hands. Yeah. Um, to kind of look at things and see what was out there for, for patients with, with 
all the patients that we see on a regular basis. And yeah. so I had a look at things like back pain on YouTube and neck pain on YouTube. And obviously we're aware that there's kind of a lot of negative rhetoric and probably yeah. quite outdated information and, and mm. that's available for people, and which, is, which would be fine if it was that in isolation. But obviously what goes hand in hand with that is is some quite damaging and harmful information. Definitely. Um, that can really lead to some not great health beliefs and, and mm. it can affect people's kind of ability to move and function long term. So, so yeah, and ultimately that, there was a lot of it out there. Yeah. So, um, so part of the, the name was that we wanted to, well, I wanted to bring people genuine evidence-based advice yeah. that, um, that had been proven to work that was hopefully quite positive um, in terms of getting people moving, yeah, getting people yeah, more yeah. active, um, and and trying to reassure people that um, I suppose if you're in pain, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, that is your your destiny or that's yeah. your that's how you have to live long term. Yeah, yeah. So you're trying try to get across some of the, I suppose, the more genuine real information that people are needing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think, just giving people that reassurance, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think there's there's a lot of gimmicks and fear mongering at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, we won't say it's any particular profession because I've seen it from all walks, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of people that are they're playing on the fact that people are scared and they're vulnerable when they've had an injury and it's so easy to get someone signing on for 10, 12 sessions of treatment that feels good but you know if it's keeping them reduced in their function what good's it really doing now, I, th- I think yeah. that's a that's a that's yeah. a bang on way to start going about it to be fair that's something that i've tried to kind of get across on my page as well just really real really honest and you know this is this is the deal you're not made of glass and you can yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah i think there's there's a lot of fragility that gets spread around but yeah i, I love the way that you're embracing the the full-on evidence-based side of things and it's just a case of really clear cut simple advice to help people keep functioning and it's not, yeah, not necessarily talking fixing or curative measures it's more so like just the reality of it which which is brilliant and i think we we need a lot more of that to be fair um so in terms of kind of the vision for genuine physio so obviously with the youtube channel there's a lot of informative videos there what's what's the kind of the goal i suppose with genuine physio where are we headed with it what's the what's the kind of end game or are we just are we just seeing how we go for the time being i think i think to say there's no i've had no thoughts or or um Plans would definitely be too strong there. So yeah. No, so set in stone plans, but yeah, but definitely long term. I, I would hope that there would be on the channel um, videos that cover most common musculoskeletal pathologies. Yep. Um, the one thing that I probably I don't know if it's the, the right or the wrong way to go about things, but given that I was just starting out and things were looking exceptionally amateur at the beginning. Yeah. Um, me means that the, the videos that I kind of prioritised highest, which are the back pain ones and, and the, the neck yeah, pain yeah, ones yeah, and the yeah. pain ones that are most... Really most relevant. Relevant, yeah. Probably could be more engaging. So I'm assuming I'm going to have to go back and readdress that at some stage. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah I think over the next sort of year or two, ensure that there is um, is sort of a diagnosis explanation for, for people at home um a treatment video for people at home that they can try with like the sort of, sort of most common 10 to 15 msk pathologies yeah um i definitely would be um 
keen on trying to set up my own sort of telehealth thing. I know you've done something yeah. similar, have you? Starting to, starting, starting to. Starting to. Yeah. So, so um, <laughs> maybe jump on that bandwagon at, at some yeah. point. But I, I suppose it's um, it's just about putting as much content together that's simple, yeah. easy to read, easy to understand. Mm. Um, I think I'd be keen to put again along maybe alongside those those educational videos, some booklets and pamphlets that people yeah, can, yeah. can access online. Um, mm. Because I think particularly with a lot of the older generation. Um, yeah who might not be so sort of technolo- technologically savvy. Yeah, um, a yeah. lot of the time they're getting kind of family members to, to prick things off and yeah. I think having that access to that would be uh, would be really helpful. Um, Definitely. Yeah, so long-term it'd be nice to kind of set up something independently. Mm. Um, but yeah, I suppose that, that's it for the time being. I think <laughs> you know how uh, time-consuming it is. Oh, yeah. is. So, <laughs> so it's, it's very well again having these visions, but you need time yeah. to influence things and well, <laughs> yeah, the, doing, uh, it, doing it's another question <laughs> yeah the common theme seems to be that if you think that you're going to spend uh spend a few hours doing something it's probably going to take a day and if it's going to take a day it's probably going to take a week or two so, so yeah. Yeah, slow and steady i think at the moment same thing that i went through building that website like i was thinking i'll spend a few nights on it and it took a good couple of months <laughs> yeah, so, so many people are doing it at the moment you think it must be easy and, and they're all like there's so many uh, like Things that you can access online that do make it easier than it than it definitely, before, but there's still time consuming. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, and I think that's probably something that people don't realise about the number of Instagram pages out there. Like it's so quick and easy to look at and access, but people put yeah, a lot yeah. of time into these types of things. Like even just getting to grips with using Canva and learning to build your posts yeah, yeah. and getting your graphic design looking a little bit more smooth. Like that all takes so much time. And I think, like like I said at the start, you can tell that yours is really starting to sort of pick up steam and you're finding your groove and getting yeah. getting getting more of a, a kind of focus look towards things and like you say it's starting to look a lot more polished and stuff but it, it does take a lot of time it is really consuming especially on on top of like other jobs and roles that you've yeah, got definitely. as well and you know you're, you're there providing a lot of free information for people yeah absolutely. and so I was I was thinking there was there's, there's quite a big community of physios and health yeah. professionals there's <laughs> loads of people that are all supporting each other and I think me and you were in a pretty sort of similar pool with a lot of people mm. at the moment and everyone's just generating so much free content and learning from each other and yeah, you know we're all doing it at our own speed we're picking up what we can giving what we can and yeah it's just turning into like, loads, yeah. loads of free thinking therapists that are really helping each other. Yeah, and it's a really nice little community. And I, like, yeah. it definitely wasn't something I was expecting from it. Mm. And, and to be quite honest, it wasn't even something I really wanted from it. It was, it was more because there's loads of. I, I, I was on Twitter before, but I didn't yeah. have an Instagram page, mm. so I was a complete social media dinosaur. Yeah. Um, and I, I literally, when I was trying to work out how to use. This, that, and the other. It was like mm. trying to show your granddad how to send an email. It was, it was, embar- <laughs> it, it, it was embarrassing. But, it took a while. Um, it did take a while. But because there are so many sort of like APPs or experts or specialists yeah. already on the platform, the, mm-hmm. the idea was definitely, definitely not to be sort of providing content for, for other physios, really, or, mm. or, um, or any of my peers, just because... Yep. I'm not. A, I'm not a, a, an expert. I'm not an APP. Yeah. Uh, I'm just a physio um, mm-hmm. with a passion for for helping people um, yeah. and and trying to bust some myths and misconceptions around healthcare and, and pain. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's something I wasn't expecting at all. But it's been a really nice um, aside to mm. um, 
to, to, to what, what I've been doing. It's really nice. They've, I've connected and then like, like exactly like yourself, connected mm. with so many people. I know you've done sort of other collaborations with people that yeah, have yeah. a similar mindset. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice or supportive, supportive sort of community there mm. for helping each other out. Um, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been very enjoyable so far. Yeah. Yeah, what what's been? And obviously, the technology side of things is one thing. But what what, what would you say are some of the sort of bigger challenges that you've been experiencing since you started the page and the platform? I do think I think it's time is the biggest mm. one. And um, so when I started it, I so I so when I came back to the UK in uh, the end of March, April time, and sort of mm. went from thinking I'd be able to find a job pretty easy because obviously. As a healthcare professional, well, why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, and actually, yeah. obviously, M- MSK stuff pretty much stopped. Holy, didn't it? Yeah. Six to eight weeks, didn't it? Um, mm. So, jobs, and I even, even sort of contacted my, the old company that I worked for, and they were like, yeah, we'll probably have a role for you in the next week or two. And then within a week, referrals nice. stopped, and, and it was and it was no work. So, so, <laughs> so no. <laughs> at, at that time, uh, not so nice in terms of job, but it, but it, it really did give you an appreciation or gave me an appreciation for like the little time where you have spare to just like reflect and think and yeah. I know you've done a podcast or two on mindfulness and mm. have time to do those things that you just don't do normally and yeah I've probably spent a, a month or two uh wallowing in my own self-pity for a little bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but but knew I needed to do something slightly productive so yeah. um so at that point it was nice because you, you'd get up at a not too early time of the day and you could mm. work a little bit later into the day and you had a yeah sort of eight or nine hours ten hours a day to, to concentrate and research on things and, mm. uh, and work with things which I needed there's no way I'd be able to initiate what I did initiate back then now it, was, yeah. it would be too much and mm. um, but but at the moment it, it's definitely time because it would I'd be doing stuff every evening after work and, yeah. and it's taking up the weekend as well so mm. in the way lockdown is helpful it's going to be uh, it's I'm gonna have to make a few sacrifices I think when uh, when and if things yeah. open up again and, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. can actually socialise with people at the weekends and things. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. time, because it's nice to have some time to just chill and relax and switch off and do your own thing. And I, I think probably for the last month or two, I don't really feel like I can, I've had an opportunity to do that that much because yeah. I, like, with these sorts of things, it's just it's, it's never ending. It's not like a, a mm. task that you start and then there is an end goal. It's and then just, you just an ongoing it project, stuff. isn't it? It's just, yeah, it's just non-stop. So you feel yeah. like you're chasing your tail the whole time. But and yeah. but no, it's, uh, that probably time would be the biggest barrier. I think. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's something everyone would relate to. To be fair, and you know, we we put a lot of time into researching the post that we're making, and yeah, then actually yeah, creating absolutely. the post, and then sort of following things up afterwards. And like you say, it's a an ongoing project that just takes up time continually. It doesn't doesn't yeah. really slow down. And I mean, a big reason behind that. I mean, you know, we've got all these. Instagram algorithms that we're trying to work around and stuff yeah, like yeah, yeah. If, if you do take a couple of weeks off by the time you post again nobody sees it so exactly exactly it's, yeah. it's crazy it's definitely given me an appreciation particularly the YouTube thing because mm. again I had no, I literally thought it'd be a case of switching your phone off doing a bit of recording switching it on off again switching it online. On, on and off um, and then yeah you're away you're where you go but yeah. I have, I've had to learn how to like set up a room for filming yeah um i've been really lucky one of my friends i was at uni with is electric media so he's been mega mm. helpful and i've had another friend who um who sh- and she's been really happy with the kind of brand inside of things yeah, yeah, yeah. social media so so that's been mega mega helpful but yeah i never thought i'd be having to like chunk dust sheets over cupboards <laughs> and wardrobes because sound bounces off things and all this yeah. sort of thing i never even appreciated 
you. So, yeah, when I'm watching a 10 minute YouTube video now, I kind of I have an appreciation for the, the work that's gone into it. Now, um, <laughs> yeah. I definitely didn't before. Good to be reflecting on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in, in, in regards to time, then, obviously, we're talking through time with regards to our sort of social media platforms and the YouTube, but I think time just in general in healthcare is something that's a pretty hot topic in terms of availability. Yeah, so we've, we've both touched on this a little bit, obviously doing NHS work, both of us. Um, time has a really big impact on our patient interaction and our, mm. our sort of options when it comes to treatment. So do you want to maybe touch a little bit on how time can affect things in practice, actually in the role itself? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, I think like usually it's, it's very difficult to work out how much time is the optimal time. I know yeah. there's research out there that suggests it should be X, Y, or Z minutes per appointment. But I think mm. in terms of patients, I don't know about you, but definitely more recently, mm. um, obviously we're in quite a pri privileged position in that compared to most healthcare professionals, yeah. we get more time. And yeah. um, so typically what we get maybe like a half hour or 45 minute appointment as an initial mm. assessment. So we have loads more time, like yeah. three, four hundred percent more time than, oh. than you would if you spoke to a, spoke to a GP for an appointment. So, mm -hmm. but definitely something I've heard a lot from patients really is I haven't had time, really, I wasn't really listened to. Yeah. Um, and that is a massive, massive thing, isn't it? So mm -hmm. I think giving patients, no matter how much time you have, giving patients that the opportunity to kind of tell their story and yeah. feel listened to mm. is massive. Yeah. Um, and obviously that is something that's lacking in, in various different healthcare domains, which is which is unfortunate. You, you, you often hear that don't you, just people go to GP practices and they've yeah. got two or three things that they've got that they need to talk about. They're only allowed to talk about one thing. What's but the actually, most important one? Yeah, but yeah. actually if you spend a little bit longer or you had the opportunity to spend a little bit longer there's every mm. chance you'd find that it, it's all linked anyway yeah um, yeah particularly with these sort of persistent pain pathologies 100 percent. Um, yeah i think it's, it's it's a challenge isn't it um but it's a challenge it's not going anywhere um, yeah because oh, in the nhs oh, things well wherever you work in the nhs things have changed and seem yeah. to change slowly mm. and obviously if you're working in private there's various targets and things you need to meet and, and actually that kind of um setup um mm. i've probably got an awful lot of um analysis data analysis and financial yeah. analysis that have gone into it in terms mm. of making things work and making things financially viable for the company to actually yeah, definitely actually see the patients they need to see yeah yeah it gets 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 much more complicated there's always there's always sort of organizational pressures financial pressures there's always other yeah. stuff that impacts on the most important thing which was the patient or the client and yeah. it's that's something i've really struggled with to be fair in sort of finding my niche and finding a role that works for me because the NHS, I felt like I wasn't able to spend the time that a lot of patients needed. They'd waited a long time to see me and then they were getting 15, 20 yeah, minutes and they had to go. And when I went private, there's loads of pressure to have to do hands-on therapy, which takes up a large chunk of your time. And there's mm. there's a different expectation there as well. So I think, I think that's something a lot of healthcare professionals will relate to, sort of pressures within the job, uh, both, both time and treatment-wise, I suppose. Um, what what are what are the sort of previous roles that you've been in? Obviously, if you were working up to going travelling for a while, what were the roles that you were doing before that? 
So I've only, so I don't know if it's naughty or not, but I never really, so obviously did a, so I did a, a, a pre-reg masters. Yeah. And then because I was a little bit older than most that come out of physio, I felt like yeah. I needed to make a decision in what I wanted to do. And I knew what I wanted yeah. to do, which was MSK stuff. I wasn't, I couldn't really see myself doing inpatient physio. Mm. Um, so I went straight into that. So I didn't do rotation. Yeah. Um, I just went straight into MSK. And, and at the time, static band yeah. MSK roles are, are far and few between. So I Definitely. ended up going into private straight away. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of a combination of NHS private patients and, and medical legal patients. And then yeah. I moved over to the company that I was actually with before I went away. So I was there for a while. Mm. Um, and they were a private company that had an NHS contract. So although it was private in quotation marks, it was only NHS yeah. patients. So it wasn't, yeah. it was very, it would be, kind of polar opposite really to what you'd expect a stereotypical private um mm. private physio to look like minimal yeah. kind of hands-on stuff and there's all very kind of active treatments and things like yeah, that so lot, lot that's why yeah yeah absolutely and a lot of more kind of exercise we had a gym on on site and there was nice. a massive kind of drive to get and they ran it was really not i really enjoyed it it was uh, i kind of bought into um what they were trying to do yeah because it was very active and and so we had gym classes running all day, every day, five days a week. Um, and it was just a case of trying, mate, you're obviously seeing the people that you needed to see for a few, mm. a few sessions one-on-one. But as soon as they were in a position to kind of get a rehab program that yeah. was obviously supervised and with the guidance of a physio, but it was yeah, trying to get them into the gym, into a rehab environment. And mm. um, yeah, and, and it really worked. It did work. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's what I've been before I before I went away, and then since I've been back on yeah, now locum in, in the NHS. So uh, yeah, yeah, a bit different, but it's uh, I think it's good though to work in different places. You, you, yeah, definitely. You pick the good and the bad from from each one, and yeah, you, you, I've never worked anywhere that I've not learned anything from. Definitely, um, definitely. So uh, it's, it's about it's about taking all the good bits and then taking the bad bits and trying to find find some happy medium in the middle. Isn't yeah, it? somewhere that you can work happily and still switch off yeah. when you go off. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that was that was something that I struggled quite a lot with when I left uni because I knew deep down I was just going to be in musculoskeletal. Like it's what I loved at uni. It was the thing mm. that kind of got me going to uni in the first place. Like I was aware of the other branches of physio, like your neuro, your CVR. Mm. I knew all that stuff, but it was MSK that I wanted. But I think there's a bit of, there's a bit of pressure on physios when they were leaving uni. To yeah. be fair, especially when it was NHS that, yeah. funded, it was almost like you have to go do your time. Yes, definitely. So, I, 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 yeah, I took a rotational job and did some inpatient stuff, but I knew that I was MSK straight away. So I think you've, you've probably done the right thing there, to be fair, going going straight down that route because you've just been chasing skills and honing skills that were relevant to where your career is going to take you. And, you know, yeah. those other positions have still been filled. You know, there's, there's boots but, on the ground yeah. in all those roles. So. And that's kind of where I, that's how I felt about it in terms of I would be wasting not wasting time but i'd have been losing time mm. skilling up on roles that i knew that um i at long term wasn't going to end up in. And, and it's quite interesting you say about the pressure thing because i li- literally uh, i was having lunch the other day with um some some of the colleagues and yeah. and they, uh, most of them had done rotation um and and that it seemed to be i kind of stayed <laughs> stayed out of it really because i knew that i hadn't done it I but um but there was definitely a, a kind of an expectation and a and a, and a pressure to mm. um, to do the rotations, and I think yeah, I suppose maybe less now because it's not. I, I think there's, there's obviously the funding for physios is. Am I right in saying that? 
Yeah, it's been stripped away, no, I think. So they're, they're, they're self-paying now. So I, I, mm-hmm. I imagine that'll change. Yeah, so I don't know. But I think, I, 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 again, the role I was in before, we used to have students rolling all the time. So every yeah, yeah, yeah. five or six weeks, we'd have another set of students in. And it's always a question that they would ask. Yeah. Do you, where, like, what do you think I should do? Do you think I should do rotations? Do you, do you not? And I, I don't, I don't, obviously I'm biased completely, but but I don't think that, I don't, I think if you know what you want to do, yeah. Um, and then there's a chance that you go into a, a rotational post and you're going to end up doing two years worth of rotations and five yeah. rotations that you know you're not that keen on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's interesting, interesting debate. Anyway. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be a hot topic with physios, to be fair. Young young and old, fresh and new, or people that are you know, 20, 30 years in the role. I think everyone would have a bit of a, a different viewpoint. But I think with it with it being NHS funded for so long, maybe some of the, mm. the more traditional areas of physio, they would be encouraging you to do the rotations. Whereas yeah, some of the more new age type stuff, like I, I know a couple of people that studied in Manchester and they said that, from the word go, they were being encouraged to sort of chase the area they wanted, um, yeah, which I, th- I think I think that's really appropriate. But I also I also appreciate what they mean by trying to get your experience in those areas yeah. and see what works for you. Because a lot a lot of people they they left uni wanting to be a sport physio or an outpatient yeah. physio, and they ended up on uh, respiratory wards. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely, yeah. it works both ways. And I I think a lot of us go into physio with a kind of MSK head on yeah, initially yeah but, but it's your first think, impression isn't it yeah but by the time you've done i mean we all have to do what a thousand hours of clinical practice in, and mm. we've done six different placements and they've all they've covered most of those areas yeah so i think if you've got if you've done your two or three years you've done those placements you've, mm. actually, you've, had, you've had an office it's not like you're making a, a short sighted view and you haven't got yeah you haven't had experience yeah you've it's an informed decision still yeah absolutely um and I, I remember i remember getting i remember going for a band five rotational row that I, that, I, that I got and yeah. I spoke to the manager and she said well you, if you're fine to go and work in private if you want to do MSK but we would never ever employ anybody that hadn't got NHS experience mm. so I, was, I, said, I said so so I could come back in five or six years time with, with five or six years MSK experience and my belt against potentially someone who had a year or two's experience under the belt but they'd done their mm. rotations and, and you'd employ them over over somebody with so much, she said, "Yeah, absolutely, yeah. no doubt." So there's, yeah. there's definitely a kind of, uh, I don't know, it's about uh, <laughs> trying to think of a PC way to say. There's definitely, a, there's definitely a few kind of old school thought processes. I think that, um, yeah. that go into it. But I think, if, I think, like we said earlier, the more places you work, the more things you see, the more, mm. the more skills and opinions and um, input that you're likely yeah. to have on a service that could probably benefit from your uh your experiences definitely definitely it's a really collaborative job a lot of uh, multidisciplinary working especially from an inpatient side of things and i think i will say that from an inpatient side of things that's where i really got to grips with knowing how hospitals work and how medical settings work and i didn't enjoy it (laughs) but i did learn a lot i did learn a lot and i think when it comes to physio, there's there's always the options to change. Like people Definitely. people people do twenty years on the wards and then they go, I've had enough of this. I'm off into sport because yeah. they still there's love sport. So and... much scope, scope yeah, in there. yeah. So we're lucky to have the inner role that has so much diversity. Mm. Um, there's always because, something new you can yeah. try. And the, yeah, and with that, there's, there's, you're never ever going to stop learning, are you? There's never exactly. a ceiling to how much you're going to know. And mm-hmm. 
And I used you said, you, uh, funny you mentioned the job that you did that you didn't like. The first, I knew that I wanted to do physio when I left you, so I did sports science first. Yeah. But I also knew that I needed some, like, observation or work experience. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So I got a role, like a, a physio assistant role, or rehab assistant role in, like, a small regional hospital in Andover. Mm. And that was very, very old school. And within, like, a month or two, I was, I was wet behind the ears, green as grass, and they wanted me to go out and start dressing pressure sores and changing catheters and and yeah needless to say I didn't enjoy it very much yeah. but you do pick things up and and learn things because then when I was a student on inpatients it gave mm. me a massive appreciation for like checking pressure sores and yep. and maybe like reducing risk of infection and, and things mm. that I was going home and, and having nightmares about when I was 18 yeah. years old <laughs> <laughs> um, actually actually did stand me in good stead when yeah. uh, when I went into when I went onto my student placement, so yeah. like you said, you just you do learn. Like, like, whatever situation you're in, you, you're always learning. There's always something. There's always something. And I think yeah. that's that's an attitude that a, a lot of physios coming out of uni have now. It's that we're absolute babies in this world, even if we've got mm. a previous degree and previous experience. Like once you get into the role of being a physio, I I often say it's like doing your driving test. Like you're learning to pass yeah, the definitely. exams, and then yeah. you're in a, you're in a car on your own on the motorway, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's you as a band yeah. five when you first start working. You're a little bit rabbit in headlights at times, but it does get easier. <laughs> yeah. And there's peaks and troughs, aren't there? Even now, there's peaks and oh, troughs. Yeah. You go, you go, uh, you spend like a few, you spend a year or two as a band five and you think, I've got this nailed. Yeah, I'm and then smashing you, this. And, yeah. Then you become a band six and you're away at your comfort zone again and you feel like a student. And then you spend, <laughs> a, few, you spend a few years as a band six and then you feel like you've maybe go through this period of things being a bit autonomous and going through yeah. emotions a little bit. And then, but like, again, where I've worked now, there's like a... Um, they're big on kind of hand therapy and yeah. on onco- a specialist oncology uh, unit there. So we see some of their patients. And yeah. again, so now like when I'm seeing those patients, I'm like, what on earth am I doing? This is brand new again. Yeah. Can I find somebody that can, can give me some advice and what to do? I feel like a student again. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, pick some trust. <laughs> there is, there is, but it's, it's humbling. It's humbling. I think any, any physios listening, they'll know that you do go through those peaks and troughs and yeah. you know, you'll feel very good about your role sometimes. And there's other times when you maybe doubt that you even want to do it. Um, yeah, I know I've had plenty of times like that where I thought maybe I'm, I'm on the wrong career path, but I think the passion that you had that got you into physio, as long as you can find somewhere to direct that in a way that's rewarding enough. And it's not just about the work. I think that's generally, generally a good recipe. If you can be happy with the role that you're doing and it's not sort of, impacting the rest of your life the the skills yeah, and the knowledge and you know the care that you've got your personality that all comes across eventually and you find you find what works for you yeah i'm sure, I'm sure hopefully there'll be a few people listening that can, can relate to, relate to <laughs> yeah. but i think like you said just go, as long as you get to the end of the week and you think okay that didn't go as well as it could have done or <laughs> not I my best. Done that better. <laughs> but, but there will definitely well definitely there, there'll be hopefully be a few people in the in your week that you've uh, you have managed to make a difference to and definitely it. Definitely. Yeah, I think <laughs> I remember being told this as a student and it was just a universal truth that my educator said, you just have to get over this. Not everyone's going to get better and it's not your fault. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like <laughs> communicating that across to the patient is not always the easiest thing in the world. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to touch on this in a moment, actually, but I found... I'm now becoming a lot better and there's more of a desire to be involved with the, like the persistent pain type stuff. And I think that's, that's a conversation that you do sometimes need to have about the possibility of this not going away. Mm. Um, 
So especially when I first started in my role, you know, where we come out of uni, we're very sort of biomedical and there's there's yeah. a problem that I can go fix and I know all these techniques with my hands mm -hmm. and then when it doesn't work, you can be a little bit like, oh shit, what have I done wrong? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the way people's journey goes. Not everyone gets there. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on in their life outside of that 15, 20 minute session they've had with you once a month. So, you know, well, I think I, 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 I stressed myself out a lot thinking that I had to blame myself for a lot of those people. But yeah, the stark reality is some, some people just can't, can't get all the way better. No, and that, going back to the unity, I mean, that's something that we probably should be educating yeah. students about more because I think. Mm -hmm. Again, the students I used to spend time with not so long ago, and um, a lot of the a lot of the modules and and sort of um, sessions they have are, have are on kind of like how to do your pavements, how to do your pavements, how to do this yeah. manual test, how to do that manual test, and and I, I do remember having having sessions on kind of like the biopsychosocial model and things like that, but I don't ever remember being able to relate to it that much. Yeah. Um, and it was only until the it was only till probably the last place I worked they were very very big on it. It was mm. something that that was very applicable very quickly, and and it made me reflect back and think, oh my goodness, what have I what have I been saying to patients, and what have I been <laughs> yeah. missing with patients, and how many patients have I have I not helped by saying X, Y, and Z? But that was just part yeah. of the learning learning process as well. But but I think a lot more needs to be done a lot earlier on um, yeah. to, to make that kind of psych, not even the, the bio bit's fine, isn't it? But it's the psychosocial yeah. bit that we probably need educating about earlier Definitely. so that we can make it just autonomously part of our practice earlier. So I know we spoke yeah. before saying that it's quite, you have to learn how to, how to have those conversations with people. Yeah. You have to learn how to explain those things. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to then learn how to implement them into a specific treatment program that you're going to put together for someone. Yeah. Um, and that's the hard part. Mm. But that's probably something that has taken me or something that I only even sort of came across three or four years into my yeah. physio career, which mm. is not, not, not great, is it? So, no, so, but... uh, so having that impetus early on at mm. uni would be um, really beneficial, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think it's something that we're we're lacking a lot when it comes to the education side of things. Like we, we have so much that we need to learn within that mm. three years. And it's not that we're coming out of it shorthanded by any means, but I think you, you come out of it very much bread and butter. I know a lot of the basics and yeah. physio, it's a job where you, you learn by being with patients, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's making those mistakes and upsetting a patient by saying the wrong thing. That's how you start mm. to learn how to communicate better. And, it's, it is the communication, I think, that needs more of a focus. There was there was a lot of focus on the, the theory and the practical side of things, but I can't remember spending that much time talking about how to communicate these things to people and yeah, the words that point. we use and the kind of fear yeah. that we can instill in patients just by mentioning something that gives the wrong impression. Yeah, um, definitely, and definitely. I, I remember one of the first patients I saw when I was a band five in MSK. I, I told her that um, her x-ray looked really bad when what I actually meant was there's quite moderate degenerative changes within the knee. Yeah. And then I could have said, that's expected of a lady of your age. Yeah, yeah. And that would have made it so mm. much better. But Sheila gone away going, oh my God, my knee's fucked. 
it's looking back on those experiences and reflecting on them like mm. i hated having to learn how to reflect on things at uni but there's a reason there's a, there's a <laughs> well, it's reason gonna be surely that's gonna be everybody's least favorite thing to yeah. do. <laughs> there's a reason we learn how to do it because that's how we that's how we improve and it's how we're better the next time and yeah yeah i, I, th- I think it's just a case of like people like me and yourself having these conversations that keeps opening people's eyes to these types of problems and you know just trying to make people aware of the other side of physio which isn't as much of the physical stuff no and i think but ultimately like when you're like that i think that's true on the one hand but the other side of that is ultimately our job is to try and empower people motivate people Mm. and um and getting people to take control of their own condition so that they can improve their quality of life and actually if we're assuming that physio is just biomedical stuff mm. and i had a really good supervisor well, again, i said to you earlier i was going to go up a tangent i had a really good supervisor once yeah. who said to me um every patient that you see obviously this is not black and white but every patient that you see you should try and put a percentage on how much of their the situation is bio how much is psycho and how much is social and then you're yeah treatment needs to replicate that yeah so if you've got someone with persistent back pain who's had an mri and it's fine um they're not sleeping great they've got they've just lost their job they've got loads of stresses at home they're not yeah. exercising they may be overweight you're probably thinking they're probably going to be about 20 percent bio and then 40 percent psycho 40 percent social but then mm. if your treatment plan is okay let's get you doing some exercise because you've got some tight muscles in your back um and your treatment plan looks like 80 percent bio 10 percent mm. psycho and 10 percent social then you're actually doing them a massive disservice mm. by doing what you might think is the physio in quotation marks yeah. thing um, yeah. what you really need to be doing with those patients is having a chat with them about things that they need and things mm. are going to empower them and yeah. give them some motivation and reassurance, which is yeah. honing in on some of the other stuff that that might be more more important. Um, yeah, yeah, actually yeah. tapping into tapping into their beliefs and the history of that problem. Mm. Uh, I think we 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 do sometimes get this idea of right injury exercise. How do we bridge that yeah, gap? Absolutely. But you know, there's there's a ton of other stuff that happens with that person after the injury and. Um, when it, when it comes to a patient's mental health, that's something that mm-hmm. we, we definitely don't pay as much attention to. And I can't remember really talking about mental health at uni again. No, yeah, but, true. you know, especially with the persistent pain, we've talked about that quite a bit. There's, there's such a massive mental health aspect of that that feeds into yeah. how that person feels pain. And mm-hmm. that's, that's something we need to be a lot more aware of and a lot more open to discussing, I think. Um, even even as healthcare even... professionals, we struggle having that conversation at times. Yeah. And like, I think usually we'd be a lot more comfortable if it'd be something that was that was just second nature, um, yeah. and and that was um, that we were that was ingrained to us from a, from a very early stage. Yeah. Even even like the stuff that you would deem to be more more kind of bio biomedical, like a like a acute ankle sprain. Yeah. Like even behind that acute ankle sprain, it's still somebody that was probably running to try and keep active and fit and and improve their mental health mm-hmm. and um get out away from the kids for half an hour a few yeah. times a week and yeah. like having that taken away from you, you can massively impact like, your sleep and your your happiness and your mood Definitely. And your stress level so uh, it, 
the whole thing is linked. It's not. It's not. Yeah. And it may, I made it sound like it's a bio thing and a cyber thing. The whole thing is yeah. a merger of mm. one thing, which is you. Yeah. And 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 yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's difficult, isn't it? But I think ultimately we we are thoughts and feelings and emotions as well as muscles and bones and tendons. Yep. And if you yep. are just treating the muscles and the bones and the tendons, then you're missing a, a massive proportion of, of mm. what's going on basically. Yeah. Well, we, we work <laughs> with, we work with people, not on people. Exactly. That's, that's exactly, one thing that yeah. I, always, I always try to keep that at the forefront of my mind. Now it's not me doing a job. It's, it's me yeah. helping someone with something um, and you're, you're assisting yeah. them and, you know, people people are a lot more happy to accept help from someone that they can confide in, someone that they trust, someone that gives yeah. a shit. So Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Hmm. And that comes back to the listener thing, doesn't it? You can you can go around and circle, but if you don't if you don't feel listened to, you're not gonna open up, you're not yeah. going to uh you're not gonna let that physio know about what's going on at home. Mm. You're gonna stick to you're gonna stick to the injury and you probably wanna gonna get out of that session as quickly as possible, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need to feel comfortable enough to be able to actually tell someone about these problems because no one wants to sound like they're struggling. No, absolutely. That's a massive thing. And nobody wants physio. No, like nobody, no, no, nobody wants no, to have to be there. No, nobody, sat, nobody sat in front of a physio <laughs> thinking, there's nothing else that I'd rather be doing right now. <laughs> this is the perfect Sunday for me. Yeah, exactly. So um, fair play to you if you're doing Sunday shit. Um, but, <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> but... Um, but um, but yeah, so, so it's um, it's about having that understanding. And it's very easy, isn't it, as a physio, as a doctor, as a nurse, yeah. GP, to kind of like get immune to it and and um, and not realise that uh, the patient's not there for you. Yep. The patient's there because they need some help. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it's something that can get a little bit, little bit murky at times, like we've spoken yeah. about with different pressures and things. It can definitely impact on... How able we are to to deal with that side of things, but there's there's seeming to be quite a big shift in the attitudes around that, uh, especially throughout COVID. To be fair, just in general, people mm. talking about mental health, people have just become so much more aware of their own mental health and the ways that they were managing it. And the gyms being closed has been a huge one for people that that was their outlet. You know, and that's been ta- that's been taken away from them, and pe- people are picking up injuries not so much because they're not as active, but it's because they're they're feeling shit and their life's been impacted. And again, yeah. that 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 sort of if we think about the person as a whole, there's a big chunk of them that's been messed up there, and it's starting to impact everything else. So, well, that, yeah, yeah, person I mean, person centered care, person centered care. I mean, even if you were the most <laughs> positive, happiest, smiliest person. There's nothing that has, has happened in the last year that couldn't have made you have at least one, uh, one down. A little there, bit of a blip. <laughs> We're yeah, all allowed to uh, have that. Yeah. And, and I know you're right. So, and this, so it's a perfect opportunity for us to, to highlight those things even more with patients and ask them about mental health. Because if we were, if it was something that we were slightly awkward about before, yeah. then you can always phrase it in relation to lockdown and, mm. and how life has been in the last year or year yeah. or two. So, um, it's about having those those conversations and giving people the platform to, to open up. Because yeah. a lot of the time, people are only gonna only gonna tell you if you ask. Yep, definitely, definitely. Probably only the ones that are really, 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 really struggling that voluntarily give up that mm. information. Yep. So um, it's about asking those questions. Yeah, absolutely. It's, just, it's, a, it's such a powerful, powerful thing to. Um, I found it with a few patients recently. Um, during lockdown it's such a powerful thing to be able to say well actually some of you there's a chance that it doesn't it's not indicative of the fact you have to have pain if you've got 
distressed or you're lacking sleep. Like, it's mm. like um, it's like having tight muscles, isn't it? It doesn't mean you have to have pain. It works yeah. both ways. And if you're depressed, it doesn't mean you have to have to have pain. But no. but it's really reassuring for people that there is a relationship there, and yeah. that actually, if they are feeling down and stressed, um, mm. that that could mean that there isn't something structurally wrong with them. That's Definitely. massively powerful. Yeah. Um, and even that reassurance can just kind of dampen down the whole nervous yeah. system. Yeah. Um, and I just spoke to a lady quite recently who had, um, she was, she was, she was just sort of, she was like 12 or, or 10 or 12 weeks pregnant. Mm. Um, and she had like really like cervicogenic headaches, upper trap pain. Yeah. Um, and she's had it for a few months and yeah. we had a little chat about kind of what's going on and lockdown and stuff. And like, it turned out like a few months before that, she'd had a had a miscarriage and she was just really anxious and worried mm. and stressed yeah because she was worried that the same thing was going to happen again and that's that's just normal isn't it that's absolutely that's, it's human yeah human human nature to, to be feeling those emotions and yeah we just had a chat about the fact that you know what though actually like your nervous system is probably quite high at the moment yeah. and like if that is the case then you are like there's a chance that your pain is likely to be greater and mm. um, and the next time we had a chat, like she had no pain. Now that doesn't happen for everyone. No, <laughs> it's not always that it's easy. Not, it's not that easy. That's a, that's a, it's not a magic wand. But for her, that conversation and that realization that actually it was probably because she was stressed and anxious and worried mm. had like completely dampened things down for her, and yeah. she had no, and it completely got rid of her pain. Now I made it sound really easy, but <laughs> it's, <not laughs> that easy. it's definitely it's definitely not that easy. But it is a it's a good example of kind of yeah. how reassurance can be really powerful and not even and just allowing people to be aware that there is a link between mental health and mm-hmm. because there is and we were, we were having this discussion when we were pre-recording that one of the biggest frustrations of mine and the, like, the thing I struggle to get my head around most is that we are we have done amazingly well and probably relatively quite a short period of time and mm. um, with regards to being more open honest aware um, about mental health, and we're yeah. all a lot happier, um, or most of us are happier about talking about it. Yeah, there's just still a massive gulf between that and knowing that our bodies and our minds are intrinsically linked mm-hmm. and pain. Yeah, we still don't seem as a society, we don't, to be able to relate to the fact that mm. if we've got these other issues going on in the background, that it could affect the amount of pain we yeah. still. Although we're happy to kind of <clears throat> think about the psychosocial stuff and mm. and how that can affect our physical health, yeah, like they're so so closely linked, and it sounds weird saying it out loud, but there's just when we think about pain, we are, it's uh, I think it's an innate it's an innate mechanism, isn't it, that we've yeah. just designed and programmed to believe that there is something structurally wrong. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think it's something that gets drilled into us from a fairly young age, yeah, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. Attitudes are changing, but obviously that's that's what being an evidence-based practitioner means. Like we're always reviewing the evidence and seeing what the best guidance is and see, seeing what the research is actually saying. And it's, it's becoming more and more apparent now that we are much more than just the medical side of things and the way that we think mm-hmm. and feel and behave, it all influences what's going on, whether it's an injury or just pain. Mm-hmm. It's it's all so closely linked. And I mean, I've, I've posted about this recently actually with... Um, mental health and physical health being the same thing like it it's, thing. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's you it's you as a person that's yeah, going yeah. through something it's not there's, no, like, there's no line is it yeah no exactly. no there's yeah. no there's no way that you can kind of 
separate one from the other because anyone that's in pain has an emotional response to it and that that's 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 all part of it but mm. yeah i think it's a it's definitely something that's starting to change and as, yeah, as, as i say, I say I think, that. But it's yeah. not demon glee <laughs> No, it's not. It's not. And that, that is an ideal situation for any physios. Listen, if you're fairly new to yeah. the field, like having a patient come back after one bit of reassurance and the pain going away, that's it's it's a rare occurrence, but that is the impact that your words can have on people. So I guess as a bit of a, a message for people, I'd, I'd be saying use your words to empower. Be, be careful with how you're making that person feel and think about what your message actually means. You know, you can you can mean all well and good telling someone to take it a little bit easy with something, but then they go away thinking, why do I need to take it easy? What's wrong? And even I mean, even it, just something as simple as that can have a bad effect. So Yeah. And and also one and the other thing is a lot of the time that you're talking, you think you are you think what you're saying sounds there's probably a few people listening now that think exactly the same thing. Yeah. I, and what I'm saying in my head sounds very clear and understandable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but actually to the other person, it can sound like complete nonsense or just not that understandable. And mm-hmm. I think Peter O'Sullivan does some courses in podcasts and things and yeah. to take the opportunity, and I'm definitely something that I need to do more of and be better at, take the opportunity at the end of your session to ask the patient how they're going to describe their session to their spouse or sister or brother. Yeah. Yeah. So how they're going to describe that session to, mm. to them and um what they were told by that because i've done it a couple of times <laughs> and sometimes you think yeah, I, I didn't say that what, that's what definitely not that? what i said <laughs> yeah so um so yeah so a lot of the time you may you uh, often mean well but trying to um people's perceptions and the way people interpret things depending yeah. on their thoughts and, and beliefs and, and values can be can be very different and they can take things differently to how you are hoping they mm. come across some of the time so um and that, I suppose that's one of the, like scans is a good example of that. Yeah. You, you can quite easily turn and say, actually, your scan is normal, there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. But actually, that can sometimes people can get quite defensive by that. Yeah. Because if well, their thoughts be. and beliefs, yeah, if their thoughts and beliefs are like that scan um, was going to highlight something that was, was wrong, yeah. um, and then you turn around and say, well, actually, there's nothing wrong, mm. it's normal, and that can be quite... Unless, unless it's explained in the right way and a clear way yeah. um, and a way that they can relate to, that, mm-hmm. like, they can make people quite defensive. So to your right, it's definitely about, it's definitely about uh, trying to be as clear and... Uh, and yeah, that's a, a, a lot of give and take, really. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to piss someone off at some point. You just need to try. <laughs> yeah. There's no avoiding yeah. it. Yeah. It's about trying to, um, <laughs> yeah, trying to annoy as few people as possible. And, yeah, uh, and, yeah. yeah. And do the job well. It's a minefield, basically. <laughs> it is, yeah. Sometimes you go, you, you like lead up there. You listen to podcasts. You think, oh, do you know what? It's really simple. I'm going to try that. Yeah, I'll go with that. You go through, you go through, you have days where you think physio is really complicated and hard work, and other days yeah. you think, no, actually, it's not too bad. It's pretty yeah, simple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> I think it's the talking to people, isn't it? It's the talking yeah. to people and trying to relate to people. Mm. There is an art to that, and that that is hard work. There's no doubt there is. that is. That is very difficult because, like, is. from a physical point of view, the job's not—it's not that—it's not a physically demanding job, isn't it? Is it? No. But like, being empathetic and being motivational and trying to be encouraging and mm. listening to people and engaging—that's hard work. Yep. To do yep. that for hours at a time, it's hard work. When you're and not think, feeling it yourself, like you're yeah, having a bit of a bad yeah. day and you're coming in to do that for other people, yeah. it's tough. It's demanding in that way. Definitely, definitely. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, that is what's that that is what's is that is what is hard work. I think that's yeah. what gets you to the end of the day and think. Just want to put my head on the pillow. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to get home now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a demanding job, but it's a very re- rewarding job when you yeah, when you start yeah. when you start finding your groove and you start finding your niche and like you're doing, keeping things genuine, just 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 being real about what's going on and what we're doing and why we're here. I think if we can, if we can always keep that at the forefront, and there's there's always that very solid relationship of I'm here to assist you how you need me to, but Absolutely. I will be telling you when something's maybe not going well or when something isn't yeah. what we're needing. I think as long as we can just start being as honest and genuine as possible. Uh, so I, th- I think your page it, it it encapsulates a lot of that. It's just about being real with patients and communicating things in a way that. Uh, that are going to be beneficial for them moving forward that might challenge some beliefs, but in a way that it's for their benefit. Yeah, people won't, people won't. If, if you're, some of these beliefs are so instilled in us from, mm. like you said earlier, from like a, only from a very, very young age, but like culturally as well. Yeah. Um, and that's a massive, massive thing. And like people might, people might not engage with it the first time. They might not, they might completely disagree with you the first time. Mm. But it's about, sowing that seed isn't it and yeah and so that maybe over the space of a few months or years it will um it might they might be able to relate to it at some point or or get their head around it at some point yeah definitely definitely so to to kind of round things off then obviously we've we've had a really really good chat there about all things physiotherapy and the role that mental health plays in that and some of the pressures that physios and people in healthcare are under so in a, in a bit of a nutshell, have you got a message for therapists out there that are listening to this that are potentially struggling in the field at the moment? Have you got any words that might help people through some of those tougher times that are finding the feet? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> no, I don't know. Don't, don't. Do do it. No, I think like, like you said, remember why you got into it in the first place. Um, it is a brilliant career and it's like you said, it's an exceptionally rewarding career. No, none of us have got into it because we want to earn loads of money. We've got into it because we want to help people, um, and because because we're passionate about helping people. Yeah. Um, so remember those things, and and just be yourself. Um, it's very easy to kind of get sidetracked with uh, all the CPD and all of the mm. um, all of the podcasts and, yeah. and pressures that are on you to kind of keep learning and learning and learning and learning, but. Be you. be yourself. There's only one of you, and you won't relate to everybody that you mm-hmm. see, and not everybody that you see will relate to you. But there will be a, a large proportion of people that that do. And yep. um, and yeah, I say just keep reflecting back and, and remember why you got into it in the first place. Because it's, it's a brilliant job. It's a brilliant. We've made. We've made. I feel like we've spent too long talking about being a bit doing again, but it's a brilliant job, and <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely really love it. Um, and and yeah, something that, that we're obviously very passionate about. And, yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, just remember why you got into it in the first place. It's, it's a great job, and, and helping people is is uh, we're in a privileged position, really. <clears throat> we are, we are. No, we're in a position where we're we're able to offer a lot of valuable support at a time when people need it. But yeah, yeah it's it's, uh, it's now, been brilliant. now more than ever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think everyone's going through so much shit at the minute. If they can, uh, yeah. if they can lean on someone for 20, 30 minutes, it, it'll always do the world of good. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's been brilliant chatting to you, mate. Really, really enjoyed having you on. It was Thank nice to guys. get to know you a little bit more as well. We've yeah, obviously absolutely. chatted on the ground for quite a while, but it's nice to have a, a proper talk. So yeah, everyone that's listening, head over to Genuine Physio 
on Instagram and head over to Genuine Physio on YouTube to keep up with all of Luke's content. He's putting out some really, really good, applicable, useful stuff for you all. So definitely check that out. And um, best of luck with the rest of the journey, mate. I'm sure it's going to continue you. flying. You've uh, you've just hit your 500 on Instagram, so we're, we're <laughs> on the way up. It's moving. Uh, so yeah, yeah keep, keep, us, keep us updated, Paul. It'd be really good to mm -hmm. see where things go. And if there's anything else that you need in the future, just let me know. Cheers. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, people do find it valuable or some of it. I'm sure they will, anyway. man. I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Cheers, right. Paul. See you later. Take care, buddy. See you soon.